I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiber Fueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant You, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing, we're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. Things that came back over and over again, that what prevented Alzheimer's, what prevented dementia in general, which is the umbrella category, what prevented strokes, what prevented cognitive diseases, we coined the term preventive neurology, what prevented a lot of the cognitive and neurological diseases, not all, but a, a significant proportion, 80% and beyond, was lifestyle, was nutrition. Mm. And we said, oh my gosh, in a world where Alzheimer's costs nearly 500, actually more than $500 billion, why can't we focus even 10% of that funds towards lifestyle? Season three of the Plant Strong Podcast explores those Galileo moments where you seek to understand the real truth around your health and dare to see the world through a different lens. This season, we honor those courageous seekers who are paving the way for you and me. So grab your telescope, point it towards your future, and let's get Plant Strong together. I'm Rip Esselstyn. Welcome to the Plan Strong Podcast. If you want to know what service and passion really look like, gaze no further than today's guests, Drs. Dean and Aisha Shirzai, affectionately known as Team Shirzai. Dean and Aisha make a return visit to the Plan Strong Podcast to talk about their new book, The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution, The Definitive Food and Lifestyle Guide to Preventing Cognitive Decline, which is being released March 23rd. Now, undoubtedly, every single one of us has been affected in one way or another by the devastating effects of dementia and Alzheimer's. Whether you're at risk or if a loved one is suffering from cognitive decline, I want you to know I'm with you and want to provide you with research-based solutions 
to this rapidly growing issue in our society. It's exactly why I called upon the Scherzeis, world-renowned neurologists who are co-directors of the Alzheimer's Prevention Clinic at Loma Linda University. In today's episode of the Plant Strong Podcast, we discuss their own personal Galileo moment as physicians when a public event influenced and changed the course of their area of study to develop education and support around preventative neurology and brain health through behavior and lifestyle change. What are those factors that can drastically improve brain health? You'll find out as we dive into the content in their new book. Team Shurzai, welcome back to the Plan Strong Podcast. God, the last time that I spoke with you two was at your home, pre-COVID, 2000 and uh, it was probably 2019, and I you were on was, season. Yes. Yep, and you were on season one of the Plant Strong podcast when I was just a newbie. But your episode, if I remember correctly, we really focused in on sleep. That's right. And uh, and since and and we were talking about your first book, The Alzheimer's Solution. But since then. You guys have come out with a new book that I want to talk all about. It's called The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution. And then the subtitle, The Definitive Food and Lifestyle Guide for Preventing Cognitive Decline. So I want to get into that. But before I do, here's my question for you both. So season three is really, it's all about these Galileo moments where you guys looked through the telescope you kind of saw the truth, and it has guided, guided your journey to where you are now. And I think the fact that you two, husband and wife, right, MDs, co-directors of the Alzheimer's Prevention Program at Loma Linda, it's like, this is so unusual, so unusual. And if you could just share with the audience how you got to where you are today and, and what was your Galileo moment that drove you guys to be this ambitious in doing everything to let people know that Alzheimer's is, well, preventable. <laughs> yeah. I love that Galileo uh, moment. Wonderful. Yeah. And, and it was kind of a Galileo moment. We both met in a conversation. In fact, our first conversation was about Alzheimer's and our grandparents, two on each side, dying from Alzheimer's. And that was the beginning. Uh, conversations, several dates, and a year later we were married. We came back and did the traditional, we went to UCSD, which was the number one neuroscience program in the country. Leon Thal, which was the preeminent neuroscientist in the country, he was my mentor. Aisha did some amazing work with fMRIs, with these machines that look at your brain while you're thinking. And we did all of that. We got my masters. Aisha finished a, a residency in both uh, preventive medicine and neurology. While I was the director of brain health at Loma Linda, we studied the populations in Loma Linda. We took the path that was less traveled. We could have gone from UCSD uh, to a lot of universities, but we picked Loma Linda because it's the healthiest place in the world. Mm. It's the, where the Seventh-day Adventists are centered pretty much. And, uh, the, and we decided to go there to study effective lifestyle on brain health. And the Eureka moment was partly in my clinic, in our clinic, and partly in the community next to Loma Linda, where we saw the healthiest people in the world in Loma Linda, the Seventh-day Adventists that, that lived in that area, 
you know, in the gym and racing center, you saw people in their 80s, 90s, more active than you saw people in their 40s anywhere else. And cognitively sharp in my clinic, which was a dementia clinic, you would expect, given that the population is one third plant based and one third, you know, Adventist, that you would see at least one third or one fifth of the population of the dementia patients being Adventist. It wasn't. It was a fraction of a percent. Mm. That was bewildering. When we looked at the data over and over again, again, it was lifestyle that affected us. But what the Eureka moment or the Galileo moment was when we went to the communities, and it wasn't just one moment, but I actually remember the one conversation that you and I said, oh yeah. my gosh, yeah, we were giving a talk in one of the churches and afterwards all these all people in their 60s would come to us and every single one of them had significant cognitive decline or dementia. Mm. And all of a sudden that opened up, wait a second, this is what we're seeing over and over again in San Bernardino, which is five miles away from Loma Linda. Yet in Loma Linda, you have well, people well into their 80s, 90s and beyond who are cognitively sharp. Why the disparity? It's not geographic. It's not even actually the, the things that people think it is. It's not genetic. It was access. Mm. It was information. It was lifestyle. The, the, the difference could not be more stark between what happened in Loma Linda and what was happening in San Bernardino five miles away. And that just opened our eyes and we decided to go a different path from clinical trials to lifestyle and study that, do reviews, do research, go into the communities and do research. And the things that came back over and over again, that what prevented Alzheimer's, yeah. what prevented dementia in general, which is the umbrella category, what prevented strokes, what prevented cognitive diseases, we coined the term preventive neurology, what prevented a lot of the cognitive and neurological diseases, not all, but a, a significant proportion, 80% and beyond, was lifestyle, was nutrition. Mm. And we said, oh my gosh, in a world where Alzheimer's costs nearly 500, actually more than $500 billion, why can't we focus even 10% of that funds towards lifestyle? What, uh, what year was this when you started to see these disparities? But so uh, Aisha and I went to Loma Linda in 2008 and around 2010 is when that, that Eureka moments happened. We started talking about this in 2010. <laughs> we remember going to conferences and saying oh, this. Yeah, oh, and I think, you know, people who are in, in the realm of health um, and we've talked about this with Essie uh, extensively, when you go to these medical conferences, I mean, there are a lot of great things happening, but it's so focused on, uh, you know, molecular research or pharmaceutical research or, you know, zapping amyloid protein in the brain with lasers. Well, I'm, I'm kidding, but, you know, yeah. high tech things like that. And year after year, year after year, we would go to these conferences and there would be conversations about molecular models of Alzheimer's, mouse models of Alzheimer's, 400 different clinical trials that worked on mice, but when they uh, pointed that out, or when they applied that into humans, it never worked. Not having a single medicine that treats this devastating disease after years and years and billions of dollars spent on clinical trials. And yet we have these population models and we have these prospective studies that show when people live in a particular way, they're able to 
uh, withhold the disease. They're able to prevent this devastating disease and they live very long, very cognitively vibrant lives well into their 80s, 90s and beyond. And so that was a pattern. But then in 2019, not yeah. during the pandemic, but a year ahead of that, the first time it, when we went to the Alzheimer's Association International Conference, their plenary session, you know, it's a session where all of the scientists and all of the doctors get together to talk about the biggest reveal. 5,000 people. 5,000 people. And the first conversation was about prevention. And I think I got a little teary eyed when I saw on the PowerPoint presentation, one statement saying, prevention is the new treatment, <laughs> which after decades of just dwelling into the minutia, the first time they understood and they accepted that prevention was very, very important. Well, and that, and, and, and that to me, to me is the perfect transition to your new book, which is really the, the, future, the future of health. I think we all can agree. So what inspired the new book? Because you wrote The Alzheimer's Solution that came <clears throat> out, was it 2016? 2017. Yes. And yes. then and then, you know, kind of as far as writing books are concerned, this is hot on the heels of the <laughs> Alzheimer's solution, right? And I can't it imagine is. I mean, I in looking through this book, it is so drop dead gorgeous. It is packed with so much information. I mean, it must have taken you a year and a half, two years to put this all together. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, I yeah. think we just kind of started working on it right after we wrote the second one, yeah. and it's a culmination of our clinical work and our community work. Yeah, I mean, the, the first book has a lot of the how, but it's mostly the why. The second book is the how. There's a lot of science in it as well, but but there are 75 recipes. Aisha is a cook as well, as you know, during she did her fellowship at Columbia University, and in the morning she would be in the ICUs, at night she would be in the cooking classes, because if we can't Wow. help with the transition. If we can't give them healthy, tasty foods, if we can't create that sense of um, belonging and, and, and culture and, and taste, it's going to fail. It's going to be a didactic professorial talk. Yeah. So this, this book has 75 uh, recipes, but more important than that, not more important, food is extremely important. <laughs> it's, it's, that, was, that was a ridiculous as statement. As important as that is that we're behavioral neurologists. So we really focus on how to translate be, uh, goals and, and visions into behavior. And I think that's the key. Uh, the, I think there's, um, there's this disparity between the information that we have about health and wellness and how it's applied and translated into homes, families, and communities. And so we just focused on the how specifically in this book, and we're, we're very yeah, proud of it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's broken up into three parts. We've got the proven plan, which is part one. Part two is what to eat, what not to eat, and why. And then, of course, number three is it's actually the neuro plan, the 30 days for brain boosting. So I'd love to, at a, at a high level, let's just jump in uh, and let's start with the neuro plan neuro is an acronym what in the world does neuro stand for and why should we care about it <laughs> <laughs> thanks trip um neuro is an acronym that we came up with self-serving because we're neurologists you know but i think it was a, a good representation of the proven lifestyle factors that work whether it's prevention of alzheimer's stroke dementias other kind of dementias uh, etc and it stands for n is for nutrition uh, 
E is for exercise. U is for unwind or stress management. And we can go into the details of that. Um, R is restorative sleep, yeah. not the type of sleep where you take a sleeping pill and go to bed, but the kind that allows you to go through the different stages of sleep because that's important for brain health. And O is optimizing cognitive activity. Now, this one is really interesting because it comes from the concept of building redundancy and cognitive reserve. Yeah. And it's doing things that you're passionate about that keeps your mind challenged with complex activities. So that's what neuro stands for. Got it. So, let, so can we just um, dive a little bit deeper into each one? And let me just start by saying, so under N for nutrition, you guys say in your book, with every meal you eat, you either make or break your brain. That's a pretty powerful, yes. pretty powerful statement. It really is, isn't it? Um, and I think more than uh, this being a scare tactic, I think yeah. it's a very empowering message because it means that with every action you can build your brain, you have total and complete control. Um, and you know this this brain of ours it's a three pound organ and for those who haven't been to a chemistry or a biology lab I don't know if you guys have actually seen have you rip have you seen a brain in a jar in, in labs but it, it basically is like a squishy organ it's like hard jello yeah and this this incredible squishy organ is, consuming 25% of our body's energy at any moment. It's an energy hog. It just <laughs> sucks up everything. So everything you do, everything you eat, every action that you participate in affects this brain tremendously. Uh, the genes that have been associated with Alzheimer's, the genes that have been associated with a lot of the chronic diseases have to do with that energy metabolism. There are the genes that have to do with lipid or fat metabolism, APOE4. Yeah. There are the genes that have to do with glucose metabolism. Your genes that have to do with inflammation as a result of your relationship with food. And the genes that have to do with you getting rid of waste. I mean, this highly active, active organ that doesn't even sleep, isn't that the funny part? When it <laughs> sleeps, it actually does some of its best work. It has to get rid of waste. In fact, it does all most of its waste elimination during sleep. That's why sleep is so important. Yeah. So the food that you give it, if it's a productive, constructive, uh, um, and nutritionally dense, yet not byproduct dense food, it will build your brain at any age. But every meal that you give, that that you know that that food coma that you develop, there's a reason that that's a coma. Uh, that that excess sugar. Yeah or sugar in general, or excess fat, or fat in general, or, or inflammatory foods. The meal that you just took is not going to be compensated by a handful of blueberries. You have to, well, that was a little disempowering, but it's okay. <laughs> it is. Blueberries yeah, no. are great. <laughs> no, blueberries are fantastic. But what I'm trying to say is to eating the good foods are important, and we talk about that. Yeah. All the, you know, we talk about we're, the neuro nine, the nine foods that are good. But we're not reductionists, so we're not going to even talk about those here. It's about not eating the bad foods, the fats, the sugars, the processed, yeah. and eating a variety of beautiful, colorful, dense nutrient dense foods, which on a on a day to day basis, at age sixty, at age seventy, at age eighty, will build the brain. But for the young people who think they're immortal, yeah. here's the thing. You can actually build the level of focus and concentration and memory with the good food and with, with the optimized component that you have never experienced without going to these you know, biohacking seminars or anything. You can do it in your kitchen and in your living space. 
that's the whole point of this book. Yeah, yeah. And I want to I want to do a little deeper dive, obviously, into the the, the food side of it uh, with the you know the Neuro Nine and some of the seven rules that you guys have, but not yet. So E is for exercise. Is exercise really that good? I mean, is it really that important? Oh my goodness, yes, absolutely. I, I you know we we all. It's funny that nobody. Uh, you know, argues about that. Uh, nobody argues about <laughs> exercise, but everybody's arguing about nutrition. And uh, I, oh, I, I, I want to let you know, I, I have some people <laughs> that I have worked with and they tell me that just the thought of getting up off the couch and exercising <laughs> makes them want to go take a nap. I mean, they are, oh, they are, yeah. they are so opposed <laughs> to exercise. But anyway, yeah. yes. But, you know, we, we, we all love exercise. We love exercise, oh, yeah. 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 So exercise is important because it creates the juices that creates the connections between brain cells. So, you know, the number of brain cells doesn't really matter in our brain. Mm. I know that's the that's the, the, the wonderful question because a lot of people uh, are worried that they lose brain cells as they grow older. We all do. After age 20, it's like, you know, there's a rapid decline in the number of brain cells, but we continue to make connections between brain cells. And these connections, they reflect our capacity to think, to be creative, to be bright and sharp, to withstand diseases like Alzheimer's and stroke. And exercise essentially creates these connections. And people who exercise on a regular basis in a regimented way where they do it, you know, say, for example, four or five times a week, they have better blood flow to their brain. They have these growth hormones, a specific one called brain derived neurotrophic factor or BDNF that increases rapidly when you do lunges or squats or when you go for a run and it lingers in your system. So combination of good blood flow to the brain these growth hormones secreted, and so many other different factors, they create connections. And guess what? These connections are like your bank account, like mm. the money you put in your bank account. So say, for example, down the road, you hit your head, or you have a car accident, or say, for example, your blood pressure goes up really high and it disconnects some of these connections. You have enough to withstand trauma later on in life. And um, as much as exercising is important, it's also important not to be sedentary. You know, unfortunately, a lot of Americans have become sedentary. Mm -hmm. We have desk jobs, we exercise for 20 minutes, but then we sit behind our desk for say two to three hours. All of that exercise that one does can be negated by the sedentary activity. So standing up, opting for standing desks, walking, moving naturally, having an environment that pushes you to just kind of get up and go do something every once in a while is incredibly helpful for the brain. Uh, Dean, did, uh, did, didn't you guys go to Cleveland and attend one of Jane's conferences recently? Yeah, we did. We did. It's, uh, it was an amazing, it was amazing. amazing we actually experience. all we, stood up and we would like walk and Jane would make everybody dance and stretch after one hour. And Essie was involved in it too. Essie, I, I, one of the stories that I always bring up, which gives me so much respect for Essie. Um, the thing that makes me hopeful about humanity is ability to communicate, ability to learn, ability to change, communicate, learn, change. Mm. If that's not happening at any stage of life, we, I, I think that's the basis of our problems we're having as a society as in healthcare and beyond. So 
a, a beautiful story was that when we came back from the conference, uh, I was sitting in front with Essie oh, and yeah. um, we were talking and, and for 45 minutes, he kept asking questions, more and more questions, one after the other. And, and after about uh, 45 minutes, we got to their home, we sat, everybody got together, we were having dinner and he disappeared. And we're wondering where did he disappear to? And, and an hour later he came back and he said, you know, I had a conversation with Dean in the car and, I, and I've always known that exercise is important, but the importance of exercise for the brain, oh my God, he, he actually worked out 45 minutes on the bike. <laughs> this is a human being that is continually improving himself, continually learning. Constant learning. Well, and, and that's that, 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 that ability to change, that ability to incorporate into life, and the fact that the, I think the bike is in their bedroom. I think it was in the bedroom upstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. just disappear for 45 minutes. But the key is that <laughs> yeah. we can all do it. We can always bring it to our home. We don't believe, we believe in everything in your living space, at your work, in your community, and your home. So one of the things we bring up is if you can't do anything else, yeah. you know, what you can do is while watching TV, stand up and do steps. Mm-hmm or make a rule for yourself. I'm not going to watch TV I'll, unless I'm standing up and make uh, and, and doing X number of steps. Or the other thing is a recumbent bike right. because it gets rid of balance issues, it gets rid of falls issues. The rule is I'm going to watch TV only if I'm moving the bike. That kind of activity level where it's constant, it's part of your life, it becomes empowering. It really truly grows the brain better than any pill will do in the near future. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So I, I take it my father was late for dinner, or would, he was late for dinner. Okay, he was yes. Late for dinner. yes, yes. But he had a good excuse. <laughs> he did. Definitely. He did. All right. Unwind. Help me out with uh, unpack, unwind, and then let's hit restore. I'll do the unwind, and you can do the store. Sure. Uh, unwind is about stress management. It's not a small matter. We 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 talk very little about it because people think that we have no control over it. It's stress. What can I do about it? No, no. Yeah. Stress is about stress management. It's about good stress and bad stress. It's really important to kind of write down the, the good stresses and the bad, bad stresses specifically, measurably, and in and, and a way that you can affect it. So I don't like my job is not specific. It's not measurable. I don't like doing the morning reports, but I like the conferences is a very important way of specifically. So you identify all your, or as many of the bad stresses, specifically and measurably, and the good stresses. What is good stress? Good stress is the kind of thing that pushes you, that makes you learn, that makes you grow, that has, again, specific and measurable. Your podcast, when you started it, you know, three seasons ago, yeah. there's how many parts was to this? Lots of parts. Ooh. That's mental activity. Yeah, absolutely. To me, mental activity, and to Aisha and I, it's not about Sudoku or crossword puzzle. It's complex activities that engage multiple parts of your brain. We did a meta-analysis uh, two years ago, was published in 2018, that looked at cognitive activity and, and brain health. And what we found was purpose, which doesn't sound like a science word, but it is. Uh, it looked at complexity and challenge. Mm. Complexity means activities that are multi-domain. When you're learning a musical instrument, you're actually engaging multiple parts of your brain yeah. and you're pushing yourself. And challenge means don't just stick to the same song. I know that I'm stuck at the same song, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but keep moving to the next level and the next level. And who knows better than you where the next level is and keep pushing. And why is that important? Whereas nutrition, stress management, and sleep create the environment for growth, 
and reverse the damaging environment that happens through aging, that's important, yep. exercise and mental activity make the connections. And how many connections? We have 87 billion neurons. Yeah. Each of them can make a couple of connections or as many as 30,000 connections. That's amazing. <laughs> that's a 15,000 times power. I mean, that's what the power we have. So stress management is about identifying the good stress and building, increasing, empowering, and tooling the good stress in systematic way, and reducing, eliminating, and delegating the bad stress in a systematic way. And then where you can't do either one, you create the positive language like we have for our travel to Loma Linda. We live in Redondo Beach. We have about an hour and a half to two yeah, hours of drive, drive each way. Yeah, the drive is just a killer. Wow. Two days a week. Yeah. And we and we say during that two hours, we've which is stressful, we've created our work routine where when I drive, she does some of the stuff. We've actually created the language where we have music and we have uh, uh, you know podcasts we listen to. Yeah. So you you you, you I, alternate. I love the example. That is that is that is so wonderful. Yeah, a two-hour commute twice a week, four hours round trip. Four hours yeah. round trip. Four hours round trip. Depending yeah. upon traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, they're, uh, they're usually planned. Yeah. All right, Aisha, can you uh, hit us with restore? Yes, um, and I think we've talked about that in the past yep. trip. Um, you know, the people really underestimate how important sleep is, um, but I. I'm so glad that we decided to make it a tenet of, of health because we believe that based on different studies and all of the science behind it, uh, thankfully we now know that the duration of sleep, the time when we sleep is probably the most important time for the brain. Mm. I, I know it sounds ironic, we're not awake, we're completely knocked out, but it is the most important time for the brain to cleanse itself, to restore itself, and it is a very, very important determinant of cognitive health. We now know that people who have disrupted sleep or if they don't get enough sleep, they actually build amyloid protein, which is the bad protein associated with Alzheimer's disease. And there've been studies where even one night of bad sleep, let's say you stayed up because the movie was just so exciting and you didn't sleep and you had to wake up really early the next day for a meeting, even one night of bad sleep increases the level of amyloid. Wait, wait, wait. So you mean, you mean to tell me that if I binge watch three episodes of The Queen's Gambit, I'm in trouble. My, my, chess, no, because, my, my chess game will suffer. No, no, no. Because it was Queen's Gambit, which was so good. <laughs> well, probably not. It was, it was so good. Yeah, I, yeah, love, but, that. But, I love that show, by but, the way. But, but the reality is it's not, you know, we do all kinds of those little micro damages. It's the cumulative direction that matters. Right. So yeah. the cumulative direction, if you are building a beautiful sleep hygiene, sleep environment, that's what's important. Right. Because the two most important things happen at night, memory consolidation right. and, uh, and, and eliminating waste. Exactly. And, and that's, that's so important. It's almost like, you know, when, uh, when everybody leaves a, a building, then yeah. that janitorial team comes in and they start cleaning the building. That's almost exactly what happens in the brain. The, there are these specialized cells called the microglia, and there's a specialized system called the glymphatic system. They get activated when you're sleeping. Only when you go through the deeper stages of sleep, they get activated. And what they do is they get all the vacuum cleaners and all the cleaning products, and they get rid of all of the byproducts that have accumulated during the day. And our brain is so active. So for people that are doing the ambience and these other sleeping pills, does that allow them 
to then get into that, that level of sleep and clear out? Do we know? I'm, I'm glad that you brought that, um, that statement there and uh, the question. Um, so th different medications have different effect on the sleep architecture. And a lot of them actually disrupt the architecture of the brain. So it doesn't really allow you to go through the different cycles of sleep. So we go through, you know, stage one, stage two, stage three, and then REM and then go back to stage one, two, three, REM. And we go through about four or five cycles of the sleep every night. And we have to go through each and every stage because each and every one of them have a specialized mechanism of taking care of the mm -hmm. brain. And sometimes these medications disrupt these, these, uh, this flow in, in the sleep architecture. So as a quick measure, if somebody's really suffering or if they have some trouble sleeping, yeah. you know, one or two or three nights of taking medications to help you reestablish that cycle is okay. But long term, they can be damaging. Well, I know in, I know in season one, we talked pretty extensively about sleep. So if anybody wants a deeper dive, go listen to that podcast. I think it was uh, episode three uh, of season yes. one. Okay. Uh, if you could touch upon optimize, and then I want to jump into um, some of the foods that you recommend we 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 uh, we eat. Sure. Yeah. Of course. So optimize about is about that good stress. It's about purpose. It's about challenge. <clears throat> if you think that you're going to retire and then spend the time on the beach, well, the first two weeks is great, <laughs> but you better start challenging that brain because at that age, or for that matter, at any age, but especially as we get older, this brain is using a lot of energy. So, and then you're not using the energy properly and which is its purpose is capturing data, right? And it's telling the brain, well, he doesn't need all the neurons. It actually starts pulling back and starts shrinking rapidly. So it's critical. We say, don't retire, rewire. A friend of ours, Howard Rankin says this, don't, uh, you know, rewire, reconnect, find a purpose, find ch activities that challenge your brain, that forces the brain to make those connections. It's better if it's multiple domains. It's not just one thing like mathematics or one thing like language. If, or if, if you can't find one thing that has all of them, several activities. It could be visual spatial things like building models or building things mm -hmm. or uh, musical instruments or, you know, as I said, uh, uh, book clubs. But it should be multiple activities that really push you. And there's very little that's more effective for building brain connection, connectivity and resilience than that. Multiple studies have shown this, that even later in life, the, the ta London taxi driver study, mm. the nun study, huge studies shown that at any age, people who took on an activity that challenged their brains, not only did they not go down the path of normal shrinkage of the brain, they actually reversed it. Mm. They actually grew that part of the brain. So I say to people, you know, find purpose-driven complex activity and that will make your life for multiple reasons, but especially for your brain health. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing that review of neuro. That's, uh, it, it's, it's a brilliant acronym. It really is. Yeah. And it's so easy to remember. We're about to open our Rescue 10X Mindset Mastery Program to those who are on the wait list. This program only is offered a few times a year and gives people who need it 10 weeks of group coaching, accountability, and support. If you've tried absolutely everything but can't stay on track with a plant strong lifestyle, this program is for you. If you want to finally jump off the cycle of yo-yo dieting and get yourself in the mindset for success, I want to invite you to check out the program. Go to rescue10x.com. That's the number 10 followed by the letter X. 
and enter your phone number. We'll then text you a VIP discount code as soon as the program opens. Don't miss out. Visit rescue10x.com or click the link in the show notes today. Thanks. I want to jump into food right now. Why, why don't we do this? So in your book, you have the seven rules for eating for, for, for optimal brain health. And you also have the neuro nine foods. Why don't we tie that into rule number one, which is, you know, why you love plants. Yeah. Right. And, yes. and so, and so anyway, you guys want to talk about that, but, uh, yeah. So rule number Amazing. one. Yeah. Yeah. So eat a plant-based diet. Um, and I think uh, that has been the core message of, of our work in the first book, Rip, and you and you and I, the, the three of us have talked about that um, a lot. Yeah. And the reason is, I know that it's a very straightforward, very direct message, but it comes from a lot of thought and a lot of background work um, from our clinic, from our research, and also years and years and years of research from other individual scientists, researchers, Dr. Esselstyn's work, your work, knowing that, you know, whatever dietary pattern it is, whether it's the Mediterranean diet or the mind diet or the DASH diet or the, the dietary pattern that have been studied in multiple populations, when you do factor analysis, when you look at the foods that stand out to be the best foods for health and especially for brain health, it's unprocessed plants. And um, and I'm, I'm, I feel privileged that I've had the opportunity to look at dietary patterns in specific populations. I work with a California teacher study. And when you go into the nitty gritty science of it, uh, there is a term um, that is called the anti-inflammatory index, which basically means how much of an anti-inflammatory um, effect does a particular food have? And you know, when you just when you put all kinds of foods in there that people eat, the things that stand out are the greens, the beans, the whole grains, the fruits, the nuts and seeds. And what seems to be on the bottom of the list and on the harmful side is sources of saturated fats, whether it's meat, chicken, dairy, cheese, um, and processed foods. And it's a, it's a spectrum of different things. But we say that the optimal diet, if you want to live the best life, and if you want to provide your brain and your body the best kind of fuel, it's a whole food, plant-based diet. Now, you said in there to limit or avoid saturated fat. It seems like half of this country is um, and just insanely enamored with paleo, keto, the new kid on the block, the carnivore, where the, the lifeblood of these diets is saturated fat. Uh, do, you, do you think that uh, this is long-term going to have some really consequential effects on their brain health? Yes. Uh, so the, we let's look at mechanistically. There are four pathways that lead to brain health diseases and others that we've defined. <clears throat> Inflammation, oxidation, glucose dysregulation and lipid dysregulation. I don't think there's any serious scientist that would argue that saturated fat affects all of them. I mean, for them, it, it would mean that they're closing their eye to a thousand studies and finding the one-off study. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and by the way, if you're gonna look for one-off study, 
you will find anything out there, even right. in PubMed and, you know, the, the, the legitimate, uh, sources. legitimate source, because somebody's written something in an obscure journal and it's going to get published. Yeah. You're going to find somebody who says uh, eating aluminum is going to save you from Alzheimer's, uh, which uh, you're going to. So the one off studies or even one off randomized clinical trial doesn't mean anything. In fact, recently, a paper from a legitimate database, yeah. uh, the British um, uh, Biobank came and they hit the source of the funding very well, but we know we found that what the source was university. Uh, well, in any case, <laughs> no names, we, we won't no names. With no names. <laughs> but but they found that drinking as much as even a bottle of wine, but but wine, cheese, and lamb is better for your brain than eating vegetables. In fact, eat vegetables were found to be harmful. It's just crazy. I mean, I don't think anybody would believe that, but we're in a world where data yeah. can be manipulated but the breadth and the ocean of data from population-based studies from uh, clinical trials and others have shown that things that reduce inflammation oxidation glucose dysregulation and lipid dysregulation is foods that are low in saturated fat foods that are less processed uh, less sugar and processed foods they significantly reduce those that's actually the data on the on the mechanism side on the population by side Show me a population that has lived with keto they died long term. There is no long term. There is no long term population. The population that came to us are Eskimos? our patients. Eskimos? I don't know. And uh, not really, actually. No. no. Uh, and and by the way, the uh, the data from Eskimos from that population uh, was misstated because when they looked at the data, they they had significant cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, we're not going to get into that. No. But no. but keto diet, diet diet there is no long term. Every study that comes to us is six months. Six month studies mean nothing. In fact, we have people doing six month studies on dementia now and on keto and other diets. I can smile at somebody for six months. Well, Aisha smiling at somebody six months will give them better outcomes. Me probably will give them dementia. <laughs> no. But but uh, six months means nothing. This is whenever you see a study like that, they're trying to quickly get famous. Yeah. That right. doesn't work. The long-term study, Aisha's study is 133,000 people over the, 20 the years. Study, yeah. Wow. Yeah. California teacher study. The Adventist uh, health study is 97,000 people over 50 years. Yeah. 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 I mean, they might say that, oh, but that's a population and no, we can see huge confounds and get rid of it and study it. We can see patterns and the pattern after pattern after pattern. And in my own clinic, my gosh, in the center of where you expect this population one third to, to actually have one third of them be dementia. Yeah, we saw 19 patients out of 2500. Wow. Yeah, people say that nutrition is complicated. I, I don't think nutrition is complicated. I yeah. think we have enough information of what works and what doesn't work. And I think we should. Uh, obviously, it's important to keep an eye open for new studies and new science coming in. But so far, like Dean said, the the majority or the the maximum, the breadth of the information supports a whole food plant-based diet. Yeah. So are there any pharmaceutical drugs that are doing anything that can touch a whole food plant-based diet when it comes Not to- Not even nothing. close. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. Nothing. <clears throat> nothing. Uh, even on the vitamin side, we just did a review, huge review, uh, which is uh, submitted two of them, one for omega-3 and the developing brain and omega-3 and the aging brain. We're looking at data on vitamins and stuff. Of the vitamin, and, and for none of these, there's absolute data. So we look at patterns and trends, and that's good enough in science. You know, believe it or not, the plane that you flew in with, you know, 300 people was created not with absolutes, with 
incremental increases and directions, mm -hmm. even in physics. Uh, nonetheless, it appears that uh, even with vitamins, if you're deficient, yes, take supplements. Uh, and by the way, a lot of these deficiencies by those who are trying to say that plant-based diet has this deficiency, we call it the deficiency syndrome of the day. Uh, <laughs> and none of them are true. Yeah. B12 deficiency yeah. is, yes, there's a lot of it in plant-based, but it's actually ubiquitous. Yeah. You just have to be aware of it. Make sure that you eat a complex diet. I mean, if you eat potatoes all day, all that night, you're going to have problems. But if you have a complex diet, you should be fine and be aware of your levels. Omega-3, be aware of it. Eat foods that are rich in omega-3s like chia and flax seeds, which are amazing, yeah. which is one of the neuro nine. And you should be fine. But even then, if you're worried, especially in certain times of life, like developing brain children, yeah. like pregnancy or aging brain, Take a supplement, a, a, a algae-based, but for majority, if you're aware, you're fine. The one thing we found was turmeric from our study in Cedar sinai where we looked at the retina, which is a continuation of the brain. When we gave them curcumin in high doses, it actually bound to amyloid. And we know that curcumin with pepperin is actually anti-inflammatory significantly, and it binds to amyloid. Again, not causal data, but pretty strong data. So we add curcumin as part of our food. So you if know. it binds to the amyloid, you're saying that's a good thing? It yeah, removes it. it the body it actually, removes it. It, it, okay. it removes it. Got it. Yeah. Got yeah. it. So what do you guys, do you guys supplement with anything besides B12? No, uh, there was a time like when I was pregnant and when I was having my kids, I, I supplemented with omega-3 fatty acids. Yeah. Uh, but right now we're taking vitamin B12 and just trying to eat mm -hmm. a very, very healthy diet. Flax and chia seeds are a very important component of our foods. Yeah. Uh, we add hemp seeds on our oatmeal in the morning yeah. and just being cognizant of the amount of omega-3 fatty acids we consume because that's very important for brain health. Yeah. DHA and is one of the only... Uh, or omega-3s are one of the only fats that the brain need. The statement that the brain is mostly fat, therefore it needs fat is oh ridiculous. How many times do you hear that? All the time. Uh, can you just dive a little bit deeper into that? Because I think that's a really cool topic. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the notion that may, the brain is made out of fat, so we have to eat a lot of fats is important is, is so false because neither saturated fat or cholesterol in our diet or the cholesterol that is made in our body passes through the blood-brain barrier into the brain. The kind of fat that we have in our brain is structural fat. Uh -huh. it's, it's just a part and parcel of the infrastructure of mm -hmm. your brain. The only kind of fats that pass through the blood-brain barrier, which is a very tight junction between the, brain, the, between the cells of your endothelium, of the small little blood vessels that supply oxygen and nutrition to the brain, the only kind of fat that passes through these junctions are omega-3 fatty acids. And omega-3 fatty acids are needed on a daily basis for normal brain function. People who are not really cognizant about their consumption of omega-3, whether they're omnivores or plant-based diet, they tend to have difficulties with their cognition if they get older. So it's important for us to be aware of it. The, uh, the, the rest of the fats, saturated fats and cholesterol, which is, you know, the rhetoric that you hear all the time. No, our brain, our body creates enough cholesterol to replace those uh, fatty infrastructures in the brain. And we don't need it in our diet at all. You always hear this for kids under two. They need, you know, a lot higher fat, more fat for the brain. Is what, right. what are your thoughts on that? If you eat a variety of different plant foods, which includes, uh, you know, uh, nuts and seeds and, you know, avocados, I think that should 
be enough. Of course, I think it's it's important for us to be aware of the different quality and quality quantity of foods that we give to children. But the amount of fat that we actually need is not too much and it should be covered with uh, just including some high fatty plant based foods. Uh, I, I, on the paper that we looked at, we actually said, said that there's trends to uh, trends that say that maybe supplementation would be helpful for uh, developing brains and you know the human brain at some point actually doubles within a year yeah. in size and it's growing massively so uh, of, as a precautionary measure given that there's some evidence and we looked at the review paper all the data there appears to be that we might need some sub supplementation but as important as that supplementation is this fact because the path of translation of ALA and, and to DH EPA to DHA is actually a rate limiting step if you're getting a lot of um, a saturated fat or omega-6 in your diet that actually blocks the other pathways. Uh, uh. Mm -hmm. So instead of, so it's great to focus on supplementation and all that, but the bigger focus should be look at the amount of, you know, omega-6 and saturated fat and processed foods that the children are getting in their diet. In one paper, actually a couple of papers that showed that, forget about, you know, AD, you know ADHD and ADD for children. Some of the children in, in, in the Western world who are having a lot of fat in their diet and are a little bit uh, on the uh, um, obese side or um, have um, uh, the pathology associated with it, which is prediabetes and diabetes, have white matter disease at age 12. Right. We're talking about the kind of white matter that you shouldn't be seeing until you're, well, you shouldn't be seeing ever, but the average person, she sees it in her 60s. We're seeing it in, in children. So it's better to focus on a clean plant-based diet. Mm. Don't worry about deprivation. There's no evidence of iodine deprivation. You know, uh, if you're worried, take some B12 and omega-3, but also get rid of the saturated fat, which right. blocks all the pathways yeah. that are beneficial in the brain. Yeah, that is fascinating. That is really yeah. fascinating. Let's, let's talk about, um, so the seven rules, we talked about plants, we talked about avoiding saturated fat. You know, you also have in there avoid refined carbohydrates. You want to yes. talk for a sec about that? Of course. I mean, um, so I think, the, I think the when you look at the a dietary pattern of most Americans is just um, it's it's just saturated with uh, refined carbohydrates, whether it's the white bread or the white pasta or the white rice or sugar, um, white or sugar, sugar yeah. added yeah. in everything, even pasta sauces and ketchup <laughs> and everything is just jam packed with sugar. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what happens is, you know, our body is just not used biologically. It's not used to so much yeah. refined sugar. It passes through the arteries um, and it, it increases the amount of glucose in our circulation rapidly. And so the body goes into a frenzy. Our liver, our pancreas, our brain it goes into a frenzy to try to use as much as they can, but then mostly focus on getting rid of it. That's how insulin resistance develops when you are completely overwhelmed with too much refined sugar. Yeah. I mean, sugar in itself or, or um, the simplest form is glucose is the best source, uh, fuel source for our body and for our brain. It's not ketone bodies, it's glucose. Yeah. That is the best fuel for us. But our brain is very prissy. It's like it doesn't want you know food right away. It needs to sit down on a beautiful table with a four course meal and with a silver small. spoon brought up to it. So in small little minute quantities, right? And when we eat an unprocessed diet, 
the unprocessed part of it, the fiber that is in our vegetables and fruits and whole grains, it doesn't allow glucose to be introduced into our body right away. So the body doesn't go into a frenzy. It gets its normal amount of glucose. It doesn't lose its, its mind over so much. And it doesn't go from thrive mode into damage control mode. Yeah. And that's how you, and you survive and you actually grow instead of get damaged. Yeah. I like to say it's, it's like, you know, the whole unprocessed plant-based foods are like the big logs you put in the fire. And then the processed ones are like, it's like the hay that just goes up really quickly. And it's yes. like, ah, yeah. Probably. I love that analogy. Yes. I yes. might steal it, Rick. Oh, please do. Please do. I'll give you credit. <laughs> That's right. awesome. Let's, let's talk about reducing sodium, salt. Why is that important for our brain? Oh. Yeah. So uh, one of the poisons of the 20th century has been uh, excess salt. Um, your body needs salt. Sodium is a major part of every cellular function. I mean, sodium and potassium and chloride and magnesium and calcium. I mean, th th those are the main uh, micronutrients that are important for body function, cellular function, whether it's neur neuronal cells, muscle cells, or any cells. How we create energy in many ways is the sodium potassium pump that creates this process. So it's important. But when we get too much, it actually creates an entire cascade that at the one level raises blood pressure, at the other level also damages the cells. So what we have done is we have increased the amount of sodium so much in our diet for two reasons. Evolutionarily, let me just step back. Yeah. We are not, we are actually trying to cheat evolution. Evolution didn't care about us living past the age of 25, 30. It cared about us reproducing, running away from the tiger, and then dying. What you did in your 40s and 50s was of no concern. So we're cheating the system. And, and living up to 30, the body could, could withstand anything, right? You could eat a ton of sugar, a ton of, but you, first of all, you never got access to a ton of sugar Back because then, it was, yeah. where would you get sugar a thousand years ago? So sugar is an external massive source of energy, which the body craves addicted to for survival, not for thriving. Fat is an excess source of energy that the body needs for survival, not thriving. Long-term, they're incredibly damaging. Having that in mind should actually kind of help out to know that when you take the, you know, the, these salt, which is another survival thing, to kind of quickly get salt so that you retain water. I worked at public health in Afghanistan and other countries, and we knew that the one thing that made people survive during these massive infections and diarrheas was salt and water. Mm. It's a survival th tool, not a thriving tool. And if we separate that, we realize that salt, the excess amount that we have in our diet, damages the cells, damages the kidneys, increases the blood pressure, which is a major factor for disease long term. Yeah. So we have to be aware that if you eat natural foods, you don't have to have added salt. In our book, we did say just for taste, which means yeah. minimal. But the amount of salt we're getting in our food right now, especially processed food, is is going to kill Enormous. us. Enormous. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's important for people to know that you know I think that the uh, the minimum we're supposed to get is right around 500 milligrams daily, and just yes. by eating potatoes and you know and, and broccoli and beans, you're going to get between 500 and 750, right? 
Yes. Absolutely. We Absolutely. get plenty of sodium by eating just an unprocessed yeah. foods. Yeah. And on the contrary, you know, the average American gets about 2,300 milligrams of sodium every day. Yeah. Well, actually, it's more than that. And now they're saying that we should reduce it to about 1,500. But you're right. It's actually even less than that yeah. requirement. Yeah. What about water? How important is water for our brain? <laughs> should we be drinking oh. water during the day? So important. For, um, for multiple reasons. Uh, for multiple yeah. reasons. <laughs> Let's t- take the cushioning factor. Although this has not been studied a great deal, but 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 we. So the the water. The, if you hold the brain in your hand, as Aisha said, it's a gelatinous organ. I mean, just watch uh, what's the movie um, um, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Well, <laughs> that, that has a different. That has no, a, that I would, took a dark side. I would I would refer people to National Geographic. National instead. Geographic. Okay, you like the fava beans. You like the fava yeah. beans <laughs> from <laughs> Silence <laughs> of the Lambs. No, but but it's it's gelatinous. Oh. It's gelatinous, and it's in a bony case which has sharp edges. Right. So it's moving all the time, and the fluid covering it uh, as 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 a, as a uh, buffer is not viscous it's very it's like water Mm. so when it moves it moves so realize that to realize that the head trauma and all these things what what it can do water actually goes up and down in your cerebral spinal fluid by how much you drink so if you are dehydrated actually the cerebral spinal fluid levels go down as well so it's important for that the other thing is every single molecular process on your body is affected by water as a as a cofactor, mm-hmm. water is involved in every system of the body as a cofactor, either directly because it's using water in there, or as an indirect measure. So I, we cannot say the important. And as we get older, the amount of water in our body goes lower and lower. Right. So drink water, um, um, and 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 drink it consciously and be aware of it. By the way, Coke and sodas and things of that nature don't replace water. Even coffee and tea don't replace water because they have a diuretic effect. Yeah. And so you pee and, and urinate more. So be aware to have water by itself as clean, beautiful, yeah. um, you know, H2O. Why, why, why do we, uh, as we age, why is it re- reduced in our bodies? Uh, it's, uh, multiple yeah. reasons. One is that you, our, our, our aging cells actually shrink a little bit. They require less water. And, and uh, our, our um, system of diuresis or the kidney and everything else also get rid of water a little bit on the side of uh, elimination. So again, that thing that I said earlier, which is you have to cheat the system. Yeah. The system didn't care about you surviving long term. Uh, and I do. So I'm going to cheat the system. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Uh, well, it's fa- it's, it truly is fascinating how, what, I mean, 110, 120 years ago, what was the average lifespan? I mean... Oh my gosh, 50, 40s, 55, yeah. 40s. Yeah, now, 40s for women, actually. Yeah, it was like I mean, you don't even have to. 40s for women. Yeah, and I worked in uh, Somalia and Afghanistan. In 2002, the average lifespan there was 48. So when people here in Los Angeles say, oh, forget about vaccines, forget about this, I'm like, as a public health person, please come with me and see what infections do. Yeah. Uh, washing your hands, um, um, you know, eating healthy, eating a plant based diet. Ironically, in a lot of countries, the one saving grace, besides the infections that kills people and everything, is the fact that it's a plant-based diet. Yeah. And, and you see yeah. the beauty of that. They, you do. Yeah. In certain villages, when you go, especially in, in India, you know, all their lives, they probably just ate beans and whole grain uh, yeah. bread and, and rice. 
and they don't have diabetes, they don't have high cholesterol, they don't have high blood pressure, and they live a long, long life. And usually in those countries, um, the environmental diseases are yeah. related to accidents and things of that nature. It's nothing like what we see here where cardiovascular disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol is the leading cause of death. Yeah, but now you look at it, you look now and you know, what's the average uh, life expectancy? Somewhere in the 80s, 78, 80, something like right. that. It's almost, yeah. Yeah. it's almost doubled. And I'm wondering, you know, are we going to double again over the next 30, 40, 50 years due to technology, yeah. whatever? I hope yeah. so. I hope so. I'm looking for it. I'd like well, to live a long life. Well, yes. well okay. I want to have a whole other conversation with you about that. So uh, the last rule you have is to eat homemade meals, which, yeah. which to me dovetails perfectly into the whole beautiful recipe section of, of the book <laughs> that is incredible, truly. I mean, I went through there and, and I just, and I highlighted some like sweet potato oat pancakes, zucchini <sighs> chickpea uh, savory pancakes, the Oof. totally possible burger, instead of the impossible <laughs> burger. Yeah, yeah, nah. That was, Screw a, that. That was a spin, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great spin. The spicy Kali tofu bowl, I love tofu and cauliflower. Thai tempeh green curry. Oh, I love curry. Farro. What a, what a what an amazing whole grain that most people haven't used is farro, Isn't and it's, it? it's yeah. so it's like a wonderful hefty rice yeah. tempeh bowl. Yeah. I love tempeh. Plantastic neuroplastic meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who yeah. thought yeah. of that title? <laughs> that, that's. That was uh, Dean and I after yeah, we a had, cup of coffee. You know, <laughs> we were on fire. We have these whiteboards everywhere, as you know, yeah. our house is whiteboard. And it was one of those whiteboard sessions. Yes. And cortical, cauliflower with walnut sauce. I had to look up what cortical was. <laughs> it's yeah. part of the we brain, right? To, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we yes, wanted yes. to yeah. make it fun. Yeah. And then, and then south of the border, salad and your very nice cream cake. That is the cover of the book. I only I only have a, a PDF version. Do you guys have yes. it there? Can you show it? It's 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 actually we don't. It's on its way, and we're going to sweet. send you. Oh a, really? Uh, okay. okay. A copy of it, a beautiful final uh, version of it. Uh, pandemic has slowed down some of the things, but now we're we're really excited about that. And the reason we put that on the cover, <clears throat> yeah, we actually had went a lot of you know we had a lot of back and forth, and they said you know I think it's important for people to kind of get that shock factor to see that you know plant based diet can be so beautiful and it can be so scrumptious. So instead of choosing you know something that we eat on a daily basis. We just put that cake on the yeah, cover to know. say like, this cake is good for your brain. Yeah, I mean, with, in the communities that we deal with, I mean, we work in the communities, our studies are in the communities, and we see dementia and stroke in the people in their 40s and 50s. If they feel a sense of deprivation, no amount of fear is gonna change people if there is not a sense of gain. Mm. Uh, I want to make we wanted to make sure that people get the sense out of this book that you're not going to be deprived. Mm -hmm. and, and there was a lot of pushback on, to us and people say, oh, look, you're promoting uh, cakes. And I said, no, no, no. I want to make sure people realize that you can have tasty, healthy foods. And, I mean, and that cake, by the way, is made of whole foods. It's berries, yeah. oh. it's it's bananas, it's walnuts. So yeah. Yeah. It, it's just a good testament of how beautiful a whole food plant-based diet can be. Well, and, it, and it's obvious to me in flipping through the book that this was such a a family affair and how you guys, you, you, you know, you, you walk, you run, you, I mean, you guys embody <laughs> this lifestyle, right? Every member, 
Alex, Sophie, who you've <coughs> dedicated the book to in such a beautiful, beautiful way. Um, but it, it, is, uh, it is outstanding. All right, so uh, Dean and Aisha, I, I can't recommend the book enough. It is a, I think it truly is a masterpiece. It is uh, a life plan. It is the future of health. And I want you to know how proud I, proud I am uh, of what you guys have done here. And I can't imagine how you're doing it with everything else that you have going on in your lives. Crazy. Okay. So speaking Thank of you. that, speaking of that, what are some of the exciting things that you guys have going, going on right now that you'd like to share with the Plant Strong audience? Thank you so, so much, Ray. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Um, we, we are excited and we're working hard because it's not work. It's that optimize that we were talking about. We've actually, I think we've engineered our life to serve our purpose. And our purpose is service. Mm. And our purpose is to help people that we see suffering around us. Our purpose is to help the planet. As our purpose is to connect to like-minded people like you and others who want to change the world because it is a beautiful place. Uh, uh, we we live in a gorgeous place on the beach, and every day we walk by the beach, and we say how blessed we all are as human beings. Yet we forget that moment that we we can we can do so much. So with that, our purpose is to to make a difference. And one of the things we do is around our life, which is the science of the brain, lifestyle, and nutrition. And we realize that what we were doing in the clinic, and we still do, and in a way, the clinic work is selfish, because we love that personal connection, but it's not as effective as what we do in the communities. Mm. We were the first people to actually did clinical research in brain at the community level. In fact, even now, there are studies out there that are still doing the, you know, the, they give people some food and then they bring them to, to the lab and so on and so forth. We actually are changing communities, one community at a time, measuring the cognitive state before and after, following their lifestyle changes, bringing in coaches, and making a difference. And it's been absolutely remarkable. Mm. We have a non-for-profit called healthymindsinitiative.org um, and its entire purpose, in fact, even beyond that, everything we make, the book is dedicated to this. The profits from the book, our life, our work at Loma Linda is dedicated to building this uh, very innovative model of brain health in all the communities, not just in the US, but abroad with a lifestyle uh, orientation where people can bring it not in an artificial way but into their life and if we have changed people's lives by 10 percent that's more effective than most public health systems in the countries so we're we're privileged to do this aisha and i with you your father others are out there there is no controversy we're all doing the same thing there is no controversy mm -hmm. the little nicks and knacks here and there is not a controversy. It's the fact that massive movements are trying to make people healthier is at the core what we are about. And that's why we love you. We love your dad. We love everybody in this world that are trying to move us toward a more plant-based orientation, toward a more community-based orientation. Not that we don't like the clinics, <laughs> but it's time to move a little more towards the community. Yeah. Where, where can people find you guys uh, on Instagram and stuff like that? We are Sherzai MD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Can you spell um, Sherzai for people that don't know sure. how to spell it? It's S-H-E-R-Z-A-I-M-D uh, on social media. And our website is teamsherzai.com. So T-E-A-M 
And then our last name, Sherzai, S-H-E-R-Z-A-I.com. Yeah. And we'd be happy to connect with anyone. And if, if people want to learn more about our efforts in the community, the website is healthymindsinitiative.org. And with the book, one amazing thing that we've added to it is because we want to take a group of people for a month forward, those people who sign up to uh, get the book early, although it's actually on our system, so you really don't have to get the book, yeah. but we would like for you to get it. They actually get brought into a closed group where on a daily basis, we take them through this process. We have amazing nutritionists there. We have a Harvard trained sleep doctor that helps with sleep. We have a, a Oxford trained stress management doctor that helps with stress. Wow. So they're going to go through a month and hopefully at the end of this month, they're going to be left with the tools necessary, not the end product, mm -hmm. to kind of take that journey forward themselves. That's that's beautiful. Wow. You guys you guys are giving back in such a beautiful, strong way. Thank you for that. I'm going to put you guys on the spot here before we close up shop. All right? And that is this. I want I'm going to start with you Dean and then you Aisha. So, what do you love most about your wife? Oh. Uh, very easy. <laughs> uh, what I love most about her is it's not like we don't fight, we don't argue, we don't, but it's such an important thing. What I love most about her is her purpose-driven life. That's the first conversation we had, and it's the conversation we have every day. Wow. And it's that fact that her entire life is to help reduce suffering, and my entire life is about helping reduce suffering, and our children's life is about helping reduce suffering. There is no question that that's the, well, she's beautiful, she's talented, she's, I don't know how the hell she picked me, an but amazing it, brain. Uh, everything, exactly. singing, you name it. No, it's but it's purpose. Mm. It's uh, our purpose and her purpose when we've had the first conversation to help reduce suffering. Did you try it? Is this like, did you mean to make us cry? Like at the end, is that what no, you did No, no, no. But you got me crying <laughs> now too. What about you, Aisha? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, Dean is the true north for me. He is, you know, from, from day one when we first met, um, and we've lived a very unusual, fearless life. I met him at a party where he was sitting around with men, and I was with Doctors Without Borders in a refugee camp working as a volunteer, and he was there as well. And this was back in the early 2000s when things were kind of unstable. And he's standing there, and I hear this loud man. I'm like, who is that? Who's yelling at the top of his voice? And I go in there and Dean is standing there in front of all these men and he's arguing for women's rights. Ah. And he's trying to push um, a project that was meant to train women to become community leaders and healthcare providers in their communities. And, and he's been like that all his life, always fighting for what is right even when he was all by himself. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about this man. And I'm so <laughs> privileged to be with him. <laughs> ah, we are lucky. We are lucky to have you two on the planet. Wow. Oh, wow. No, it's um, it's well, a privilege is mine. Thank you so much for being a part of season three of the Planet Strong podcast. Thank you for your service. And, uh, and thank you for your commitment um, to um, <clears throat> preventing Alzheimer's. We love you so much, Ray. We We've always loved you. We've loved all of you know, Essie and Anne and Jane and your entire family. Thank you for all the fantastic things you're doing for the world. Love you guys too. Thank you. Okay. 
My goal was not to bring Dean and Aisha to tears, but I think it's clear the depth of their service is as deep as their love and shared purpose as a couple. Team Shurzai are a beacon of light in the world of medicine and brain health, and they have devoted their careers to exploring the prevention of Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative diseases. If you're inspired to order the 30-day Alzheimer's solution, I want you to know that you'll gain access to $700 worth of bonus materials, including a 30-day neuro web course. We'll link to that and all other resources in the show notes at plantstrongpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the great news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything to me. Have you had your own Galileo moment that you'd like to share? What happened when you stepped into the arena and shed the beliefs that you thought to be true? I'd love to hear about it. Visit plantstrongpodcast.com to submit your story and to learn more about today's guests and sponsors. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.